Welcome to the Accelerate Podcast, a podcast for high-performing current and aspiring female founders and CEOs across Africa. And for those who also have a passion for Africa, this is the place to learn about the critical success factors and best practices of some of the most amazing high-performing female founders and CEOs as we help you grow to be the best version of you achieve time and financial freedom whilst living a significant life. Thanks for tuning in to listen. I'm your host, Nekamubi. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of Accelerate Podcast. And I'm super delighted to introduce my guest for this episode, Bukola Smith. She holds a bachelor's degree in economics from University of Lagos. And incidentally, she's my former classmate, right? So we've known each other way, way, way back. She also has an MBA from Manchester Business School in the United Kingdom. She's a fellow of the Institute of Chartered Accountants of Nigeria, ICANN. She's also an honorary member of the Chartered Institute of Bankers of Nigeria and an associate of the Certified Pension Institute of Nigeria and a member of the Directors Nigeria. Or she's been in banking for since inception, right? Yeah, in 1992 uh, with FSB International Bank in Nigeria. And I'm really curious to learn about how she's able to stay in one career. It's kind of like stay in your lane, right? And focus on that. Subsequently, after that, she moved to Fidelity Bank, another leading bank in Nigeria. And then the Festity Monument Bank, where she rose to the position of an executive director. And um, earlier on this year, we're in 2021, she was appointed the uh, managing director of um, FSDH Merchant Bank. And her experience cuts across international trade, institutional banking, private banking, treasury, investment and financial markets, projects, and structured finance, audit and sales. While she's not working, Bukola mentors young women professionally to guide them through their chosen career paths, providing guidance to help them make good career choices and avoid pitfalls, which is really a very key area in terms of that guidance. And she achieves this by volunteering as a mentor in an organization called Women in Successful Careers and within um, her previous bank. While she was at FMB, she conceived women in business proposition and with her full support provided over 3,000 women with access to capital training, mentorships and networking opportunities. She's also part of an organization which mentors secondary school students on career choices. She teaches coaches, children and teenagers in her local church. She's also a strong advocate of women-friendly policies that help women climb the career ladder in the corporate workspace. She's also a wife and a mother of uh, children, two young adults and uh, a younger uh, son. Bukola, really nice to have you here. Um, really looking forward to our conversation today. And I made her make a note of the time because I know we can go on and on. Thank you, Neka. Yes. Really, really delighted to have you here again. Um, so let's jump into a few questions. I have so many questions here, but I know that um, we'll keep it short. 
One thing is, what informed you first, after economics, while in economics at University of Lagos, what informed your decision to pursue a career in banking? Great. Um, thank you, Neka. It's indeed a pleasure to be here. I know we've been trying to have this meetup for a while, and I'm glad that we finally were able to make time. Um, so what informed my career? Interestingly, I've been one of those fortunate people, I would say, who had known what she wanted to be right from you know, the beginning. So right from my secondary school, I would say, I knew I wanted to be a banker. And I guess that in life, there have been positive influences in my life that helped me um, navigate and um, decide on that choice. My mom was a banker. And my mom worked with Barclays Bank, Union Bank for 30 years. And um, she's one of my greatest mentors. And um, that's informed, I will say, early, you know, early in my life, my decision around um, banking. My father is an economist. He's a retired economist. So that also influenced my choice of economics in university. So I would say that both my parents have been significantly influential in my decision around my career. I would tell people from the beginning that I want to be a banker. Uh, so it wasn't difficult filling those forms, jam forms, um, to know that I wanted to study. Initially, it was accountancy, but later on, I streamlined it to economics. And I'm glad that I made that decision because I found out that it, was, it gave me a broader view um, yeah, of what, what I wanted to be in life, and that helped me. So later on in life, I then went on to do um, ICANN, which, again, further helped me in my decisions. So banking has always been something that I wanted to do. Um, I don't think I can do anything else. <laughs> I've ventured into other things. I've tried to sell. Oh, you um, have? Okay. Difficult to do. Right. And I just decided to stay on my own lane, which is banking. I love being a banker. Mm. Yeah, because you've, you've, I was kind of looking at the times over the, almost 30 years, you'll be celebrating yes, yes. your 30th year in banking. Next Correct, year. next year. Yeah. So uh, my aim is to beat my mom's track record. Yes, of 30 years. <laughs> so, and I think I still have a few more years before retirement. Right, like, absolutely. I mean, given how young you are, relatively young you are, you have uh, yes, and yes. kind of reach, I'm at the pinnacle of your career now. So I guess that would be another question in terms of what's next, even you are, you are the helm of affairs. Um and you know where you are now, and, and um, yeah. But before then, so why have you remained? I guess you've kind of explained that in the banking sector. You said you tried other things. How did you know that was not for you? Okay, so then, so I tried early in my career in banking, all the issues around not having just one stream of income, focus, diversifying your base, and all of that were things that I'd heard mentors, coaches, and people talk about. So I tried, so somebody I remember early in those days, somebody said to me, look, I have things you can sell. Why don't you try your hand on this? And I collected some items and I said, okay, why not? Try it. And guess what? I sold and never collected money. <laughs> you can tell me about I that. Said, I tried that too. I just said to myself, you know what? I can't chase people around for this. It has to be something that is a bit more intellectual, you know, I need to be selling something that people, you know, people, it's, it's, not, it's not a commodity, but something that people um, see, can see significant value, I want to pay for it. Um, and so for that reason, I just decided, look, stick to what you know how to do. 
become a subject matter expert at what you love to do and just develop yourself in that space. So that's why I, I stuck to it. Um, at a point in time too, again, a friend of mine, I, lo I love reading books. A friend of mine then came up with an idea which I thought was you know, great. Why don't we set up a bookstore? So I ventured into, yeah, I set up a bookstore. And again, I left it to my friend to manage. Because again, I guess for me, I'm just one fully dedicated person, one track. Um, it's either I'm facing what I'm doing and I'm doing it well, doing a number of things, in, you, know, you know, to make money is a bit of a challenge for me. And I, I, I know that it's important to see how you can um, develop multiple streams of income. But when it becomes a distraction into the main thing that you're doing, I find it difficult managing that. So in the process of managing, trying to attempt to run a bookstore, I basically left it to my friends to do. And at a point in time, she had to relocate out of the country. And that was the end of the bookstore. I couldn't cope. Right. <laughs> so again, I, I, I just decided that, look, anything that would take out of my time for my work and isn't adding significant value to what I do was not something I would co commit a lot of time to doing. So I decided to just focus on, on banking, which is what I love to do and enjoy doing. Right. And, you know, you had said that you didn't particularly enjoy selling, but you at um, your previous banking, you were actually the executive director of business development and sales. So selling, so maybe I should put that in a bit more yes. a different context. So I love selling banking services. I love selling services. Um, I, I, what I was selling was different and it just was difficult for me to handle. Um, selling a physical commodity, as it were. I prefer to sell services. And um, so for me, that's the choice of banking. Um, so uh, even speaking about um, business development, um, that was, again, another interesting aspect of my career trajectory. I started off banking in operations. And um, over the course of my career, I focused more on treasury um, dealing. Uh, so I was a foreign exchange trader. I traded currencies um, before I then became treasurer of Fidelity Bank and before then moving on um, to FCMB. So at those particular, uh, in, in treasury, you, 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 you have to sell. So it was a lot of uh, making trades and convincing counterparties to buy from you. Um, so, so I believe that I, I had been selling for many years and then moving into proper sales where you interface more with people wasn't so difficult. Um, so, but, but, but really moving into proper sales was my first, um, I would say big role in, in, in sales, different from what I had done in treasury um, over the course of the year. So yes, interfacing with people was an interesting aspect of, of my work in FCMB when I became the um, head of um, sales business development in, you know, in FCMB before I moved on to my current role. Right. And so how intentional were you around navigating the different departments? Because I see you've kind of been all around from operations, treasury, um, now sales. And at some point, it's really about selling, right? And bringing business to the... So how intentional were, were you around that? So, so I would say that some of those roles were accidental. So it wasn't extremely, I won't say that it was very much planned. Um, and it's interesting how some of these things, uh, which is why it's important that um, 
you have sponsors. So I had a couple of sponsors within my career that were able to help me navigate and helped me understand some of the skills that I had. Um, so one of those sponsors, I would say, was the, one of my CEOs who understood my personality, understood my drive, and was able to identify that, look, you are one person that has a chance of moving up the ladder. And I think that I was really blessed with having a number of CEOs like that, that identified my person, identified the fact that I could grow and had, knew that I had significant potentials um, because they knew that look, once I set my mind to certain things, I would do it and I would do it well. Um, so right from F, F, and I worked in all the F banks. Yes, so yes, So right from FSB International Bank, I had a CEO who made out time to just mentor me and watch me. Moving on to Fidelity Bank, I also had a CEO who gave time to just spend time with me and navigate, help me navigate my career. Similar thing with FCMB too. I had a CEO who spent time to say, look, okay, he knew that, again, because we spent time talking about my career, he knew at the point in time where I was getting bored, as it were, and we said, okay, it's now time for your next move. And the next move took me into different areas of banking. So I would say that in FCMB was where I actually had the opportunity to be a lot more expressive and move around um, different areas of banking. So I moved from treasury to investment banking, to project finance, um, to audit, if I then moved into um, business development. Right, and that obviously has prepared you for the managing director, right, at FSBH Merchant Bank. Yeah. Now, the importance of sponsors for some aspiring banker, how, or even not necessarily anyone in any industry, I mean, obviously you have just communicated or expressed the, the importance, the strategic importance of having a mentor, a, a sponsor. How would you go about getting one? Even, even those you know, who are entrepreneurs getting a sponsor, um, what would you advise? What are the pitfalls? And um, yeah, so, so I would say that in getting a sponsor, you have to be deliberate about what you want. First of all, identify where you want to get to in your career or in your business, which is also your career, and look for either a mentor or a sponsor. So sponsor, I would say, within the organization. Get somebody who can be like an advocate for you, somebody who you know likes you, somebody who respects you and sees the value that you bring to the table. And once you're able to identify that, and I think for a sponsor, it's actually, it normally is clear because that person has already signified an intention, has already made known his or her intention to, to be somebody that is your senior and will guide you within the organization. So once you are able to identify amongst one or two people, I would say, not more than one or two, preferably one person, you identify that person that you know advocates for you, speaks on your behalf, and then you then work with that person and let the person understand how you want your career to progress. So it's to identify that person that you know genuinely has good intentions for you. And there might not be that many in the organization, but just pick out that one person 
that you believe. And hopefully that person is senior enough and can then help you identify pitfalls, identify things that you're doing that might not help your career and then guides you in the right path. Um, if you can also get a mentor, um, whether within the organization or outside of the organization, I would also encourage that. I didn't have, in my early days in my career, again, mentoring wasn't that common. It is not formal mentoring, mentorship back then. But you had people within the organization that you could look up to and people that could guide you. But now I think that um, this generation is a lot more, is a lot more um, what you say now. They, are, they, they, are, they have many people that are willing to guide them as mentors and sponsors. And I would advocate and advise that take those opportunities as you see them. Also, I think about um, being visible because for you to, for your sponsor to identify you, somehow you must be to some extent visible, right? For them to know that you are there and doing a good job. How did you navigate that? In the university, I kind of knew you to be somewhat quiet, right? Yes, so, yes, yes. Exactly. Very so quiet. How are you visible? <laughs> You're doing a good job, right? Yeah. So, so again, I think that, and not to spiritualize things too much, but I think God definitely was on my side because earlier in my career, I don't think I was deliberate about a lot of I was still that bookie you knew that would stick her face into her books and just be quiet, not want to be seen or heard. So early in my career, that's how I started off. Um, but I think that in the process of doing my work and doing my work well, it was easy for my seniors to identify me. So to any aspiring career woman, I would say you must be diligent at your work, first thing. So visibility is important, but please, visibility without substance is nothing. So your substance, your knowledge, you must be an expert in what you do. No senior, no sponsor is going to push you if you do not have substance. And I think for me, my early stages, that is what stood me out. So I remember my managing director then, as junior as I was, because I had won certain awards, I had become staff of the month, staff of the year, and certain things, he knew me. And when he's traveling or going on trips, he comes back, he will come and peep and find out how I was doing. Little me down there. But it was my work that stood me out. That's the first thing. So as you're in your early stages in your career, it is hard work smart work, dedicated work. I don't believe, I've never believed in eye service. Face your work and do it. As you move into middle management, visibility and hard work begin to play. But early in your career, don't push for visit. I don't just jump jumping around and looking for the seniors that you want to just have contact with and not doing your work. Very important that your work stands for you first. And then as you grow on, gradually you build on those visibility. So how do you, back to your question, Eka, I just said to put that on the table first. <laughs> you know. So visibility, I think, comes with, hard, with your 
with the quality of your work, right? So when you're good on your job, you then start to being recognized. I was also fortunate that I had supervisors who did not want to hide me. So I had supervisors who were willing to let me be expressive. And they will say to me, and I do that for people that work for me now, you know, so I bring them out. I want them to be seen. You know, I don't think that you can, how do I describe this? I don't think that within the organization, it is okay for supervisors to just use people and not let them be seen. I think supervisors should bring out the people that have done work and let people know that these people have done the work. So I will be one that people that work with me, I give them the opportunities to come out and speak for themselves so that people can see them within the organization and know what stuff they are made of. And I was fortunate that I had such supervisors that we are not incompetent and we are not afraid and intimidated by my knowledge, you know, and, you know, so that. So if you then have supervisors that are intimidated by you, how do you then navigate that? And I think that is one thing that I would like to talk about. So I did have a supervisor once who was a bit intimidated by me and afraid. Um, but how did I do? How did I navigate that? I made sure that my supervisor looked good at all times. We were not in competition, okay? But I then had other people within the organization that I will talk to and then let them know that things are not going as well. So please just have my back. So as you grow in your career within an organization, you would have people that you have built some relationship with. They might not be your line manager. You can use those ones to help guide you as you progress. And those people might not necessarily be your sponsors, but they can guide you to say, look, I think this person likes you. I think this person, in the meeting when you spoke, I saw that person nodding their head in affirmation. So I think you can walk up to that person and you know, just build a relationship with that person. So you would have informal relationships in the organization that can guide you into formal relationships of a sponsor. So even though they are not your direct supervisors, but because they have seen the work you've done, using your informal relationships, you can then have access to those sponsors that will guide you. I hope I have answered Absolutely. that. This is more than, I'm like, oh my, this is, these are very important nuggets that nobody's, you're not going to read this in the textbook, right? And you may, you know, this is experience that you're sharing right here. So how have you, um, or how have, yeah, you're still doing that, successfully transitioned um, to leadership. First of all, my executive role and then leadership role, now the managing director at FSDH um, Merchant Bank. Okay, so maybe before I speak about that, I mean, now you mentioned FSDH, I will speak a bit, if you permit me, about FSDH, because people confuse those institutions sometimes. And again, given that I've worked in almost all the F banks in Nigeria, I know those confusions happen. Um, so FSDH was the, a discount house. So you were right when you mentioned discount house. And it was the first discount house in Nigeria. It will be 30 years next year. And uh, we became a marching bank about nine years ago. Um, you know, the founders of the institution 
were clear on the mandates. And when it became clear that um, discount house, so we are going out of fashion and we're going extinct, um, they decided to get a merchant banking license. Um, so we are we operate a holding company and within the group. There is a bank, there's an asset management company, is that a, a boutique investment banking outfit. And then we are also come um, in recent times, we're coming up with um, a, a bank, a, a fintech, which would have a microfinance license. Um, so it's a bouquet of um, a suite of, of companies that make the group FSDH group. So I run FSDH Merchant Bank, which is a bank um, that does basically everything apart from retail banking. So we will do um, corporate, we'll service corporate banks, high, um, sorry, we'll service corporates, high net worth individuals and large SMEs um, from relationship management to providing financial advisory, everything and that any of the other banks will do. And we're just about six, seven merchant banks in Nigeria. Um, so that's that's the bank. Um, um, so how did I move to from from executive, which is kind of being a leader, but now to be the helm of affairs, right? I'm about to say, so I'll speak a bit about um, how things have progressed. So I think that by the time I was, I'll say seven, eight years ago, by the time just before I became an executive director, it had become clear to me. Um, that I wanted to be CEO of a bank. And I would say about five, six, five, six years ago, interestingly, when I'm mentoring people and they're asking me about myself, I tell them my, my career aspiration is to be managing director of a bank. And they're like, you're so certain about what you want. And I said, yes, it's been that clear to me for a number of years. And I guess because I've been exposed to a number of opportunities um, moving in different areas of banking and you know, being at the head of those different departments and units, it was clear to me that I could, um, I could do it. Um, by God's grace, I could, I could do it. Um, I, by the time I moved into FCMB from Fidelity, I moved into FCMB as a general manager in charge of treasury. And again, that was already senior management um, role. I was already sitting in ESCO in Fidelity and um, also sitting in executive um, meetings in FCMB. And so I've been exposed to, you know, to executive management. So what was only missing for me was board engagement. And I remember after running the treasury before, I think about four or five years, I became a bit, I needed something more. And I went to meet my managing director then. And I said to him that, look, I want to do more. And he said, you want to do more? And I said, yes. He said, excellent news, that is. <laughs> and, then, and then he said to me, I'm going to give you this role. I'm going to do this role. I'm going to give you this role. So in addition to my treasury role, he added on managing two subsidiaries and then put me on the board of those subsidiaries and also on the board of a, um, a company that was an associate company, it was a pension fund um, company that the bank owned, then owned about 45% shares of the institution. He said, you want more? I said, yes, I want more. So I was bold enough to ask that I needed to do more at the point in time. So one thing I would advise people is that 
when you know you have capacity to do more, do not shy away from taking on those responsibilities. I took on those responsibilities at that point in time. And I think that that's actually what helped me because he saw the breadth and the willingness to do much more than what I was doing. And he gave me those roles. And I think that sitting on the board of that particular pension fund actually helped me significantly in understanding the dynamics of board. I was the only female on the board of that company. And not only that, it was a company which predominantly had people that were from a different ethnic background than I was. So understanding those individuals, and it was really fantastic, understanding from a you know, ethnicity background and also from a gender perspective helps broaden my knowledge and my experience in dealing with people and helps me mature a lot more. I sat on that board and it was a, a fantastic experience for me. And, and that helped me even in the board, other boards of the subsidiaries of FS, FCMB that I worked, that I sat on at that point in time. And just the positive politics that came around just understanding how to navigate and um, helps me in my relationship management with people. Um, so that was before I sat on the board of FCMB. So that helped me. And when I moved out of that role um, and then moved into other roles in the bank, before I then sat on the board of FCMB, it significantly helped my approach in relating with people at that senior level. So then by the time I then moved into executive management on the board of FCMB, it was, it was an easier play for me to actually understand people because board is really about the people. The board is about the people you sit on board with. It's about the strategy of your organization. I already understood strategy. What I didn't have was really the people and the navigating of the politics and managing a board. Isn't that interesting that it's not your main job, you know, asking for more um, and the experience that you gathered from there, gathered from there has helped you um, in the direction, you know, where you are right now because you ask for more. Um, yeah, rather, rather insightful. Okay, so let's kind of change um, gears now. How are you able to strike the balance as a busy or fully engaged? I don't like using the word busy, fully engaged leader in the banking industry, being a wife, a mom, and then also the other things you do, all the different mentoring activities and yeah. How are you able to, yeah, yes, yeah. that's the right word, juggle all the balls, yes. All the balls, yes. <laughs> right. Um, so interesting question, Neka. And for me, a number of <laughs> things come to mind. One of the things I would say have helped me is having an excellent support network. So my support system, I give them, I doff my cap, to all those that have supported me all, all the years. And um, one great support and fan that I have, and I always speak about him, is my husband. Um, so he, he runs his own business. So he's able to manage his own time better than I could, especially mid-management to senior management, where I would say things were extremely tough um, for me. I think executive management and being an MD now, my time management, I'm in better control than I was in my middle management. And that's where I would say that my husband 
really, really stepped up for me at that point. And given that he runs his own business, he was able to take up the, the gaps um, that, like, because they were, they were gaps, I will say. Um, so gaps like, I, um, I used to travel a lot. I still do travel um, a lot at a point in time as executive director of business. I traveled around Nigeria a lot. And again, I had, at that point, my son was probably about six, seven years old. And yeah, so my husband had to step up to do a lot of that handholding and monitoring for me. Um, that helped significantly. There are times when, still speaking about my support network, so I had community of people <laughs> that would always, so if my husband couldn't be around at that time, I could call on some of those resources um, to help me. So people in church, my siblings, my mom, you just say, look, please, could you guys please just spend the night in my home to just help me watch over things? So that support network is really, really um, one major aspect of my being able to just get up and go and know that things will be nicely sorted out. Um, again, I was able to just do it. I, I could do a lot. And thankfully, technology also helps um, these days. People know, and my colleagues know that if my children or my husband calls me and I'm in meetings, I will have to take those calls or send a text message because my kids, my children understand that mommy is very busy. So if we are calling, it must be because those things are extremely important. And when I see a call from my, my child or their teachers in school, Excuse me, sorry, I have to take that call. Yeah, exactly, you know I mean? no apologies about that. Yes, I have to take that, especially from my, my children's school. I have to take, because I've had one or two incidences where the nurse in school is calling, I have to take the call, you know. So, and I think that thankfully the work environment, there's better understanding around the fact that you have to be able to do some of these things. And it still doesn't take away from you being a professional woman. And that, again, has helped. I think that planning, I've also been able to, my time management and planning has also been quite good. So I spend quality time for me. It's not necessarily quantity. The time you spend with family is really around the quality of the time you spend with them. So I take holidays. We have family holidays. And I make sure that nothing as much as best as I can stops us from having that time together as family. Um, growing up, my children always know I, I'm home to talk them in when I'm in town. So all those, all those things that are important to ensure that the children and the husband know that you have time and you make time for them. People ask me now with my 10-year-old, I still do my morning runs with him. I would drop him I would drop him in school in the morning. It's extremely important to me when I'm in town, drop him off in school. That drive, 20 minutes, 25 minutes drive, we have a conversation, we talk. I come home, we also have a conversation. So just making out time for what you consider important. And for me, family is extremely important and I make time for family. So in all of the busy schedule, there is work is very important, Family is very important, as important. So you create those time for those things that you consider important to you. So thankfully, I'm able to balance it, juggle those times. Sometimes it's not as easy. Sometimes the drop ball drops. 
but I pick up the ball and I keep running. And one thing I don't do is I don't dwell unnecessarily with the failure. So yes, there are times that things haven't worked out well. I learn from those mistakes and I move on and try and see how best I can correct those errors and ensure that work doesn't suffer, family doesn't suffer, and the things that are critical to me are kept going. Okay, this is excellent. Um, the last two, and you kind of talked about what would you say has been your greatest learning experience? Just one. And you could then tie it to what you would tell an aspiring female professional. I don't want to restrict it to the banking, the banker. I'm not necessarily a female. So, you know, you know, in, in career, so there have been times ups and downs in, career, in my career, you know. So people normally would hear of the ups. Yes, exactly. Yes. I mean, things that didn't go quite as well. And, and but all of those things, I believe, make you, have made me who I am and they formed me. So one experience that I had, you know, one thing that I had that I would say, no matter what you go through, and I, I, you, I, I say this story so that I can tie it into your question. No matter what you go through in life, I think, from my experience, I think that those experiences all add up to make you who you are. There was a particular experience, and I've talked a bit about this in you know, different fora, where I was moved into a particular role that for the life of me, I didn't want. In, in the course of looking at all my trajectory, it wasn't one that I considered was part of my plan. And I kicked against it. You know, and I thought, you know what, no. You know, I don't want to do this. I reluctantly took that role after a lot of convincing. And Neka, that role turned out to be one of the best roles. Wow. <laughs> turned out to be one of the best. So in life, I've come to realize that sometimes things happen that you did not plan. Challenges come in your way that might not have looked at, might not have looked like they were best for you. But just take those challenges and run with them as best as you can. So I did that particular role for three years. And within that role, I, had, I furthered, I got additional qualification. I learned a lot more about banking. And I dare say that that role actually opened me up to all of banking. And I would say that in that role is when I had, because I've been used to roles, other roles that were I would say more in the forefront of banking. And this was a bit more in the back office type role, but it gave me more time to reflect and think about what next was for me. I wasn't, I, I didn't have the, 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 the stress of a profit, a, a role that had profit targets at that particular point in time. So it, it helps me focus more on reflection. And that actually helps pivot me, pivot me into these other areas that I've then moved in. So I would say that in life, sometimes things don't always work out the way you want it to work out. But take the learnings from every experience um, that you go through. So for me, that is one major thing I would say to my younger self, like you said, take learnings from any opportunity or any challenge that comes your way. Do not necessarily feel that everything is working against you. 
do not necessarily think that they are planning, even if they are planning something wrong for you, you can turn it around for good, for your own good. That it even surprise people that even in this trash, she's able to make something good out of all of this. And just stay focused, stay focused, stay focused. Do not allow the noise around you to distract you. Just stay on track. And I keep saying, become a subject matter expert. In whatever you do, learn. One of the things that I wish I had done earlier in my career, and again, it was tough building a young family and then trying to combine work and all of that. But one thing I would say any one person should do, seek knowledge, constantly educate yourself, constantly bring yourself up. I did a bit of that and it helped. I used to send myself to trainings on my own, even when the organization wouldn't pay for it. Train yourself. Do not always wait for your institutions to do that. And today, with social media, there's a lot of, you know, educating that is going on online that you can take advantage of. In whatever field you found yourself in, seek knowledge, educate seek yourself. Knowledge. <laughs> it's so, so important because you find out that that knowledge base you have would help you as you move along. And people do not want people they will not employ people that do not have substance. They want people that have knowledge. Wow, wow, wow. Kola, this has been an amazing 40 minutes or so together. I mean, I'm learning so much, just taking like a sponge, especially at this time. Thank you, thank you so much. Thank you, Nick. For spending this time with me. And I'm sure, listeners, I'm sure you also got several nuggets that you can apply um, and be, um, ensure that you forward it to your friends and um, also while working on living a successful life, endeavor to make it one of significance. Um, you listen to what I talked about, um, her experience in mentoring and providing opportunities for all that. So until then, take good care and to being on this platform with you again. Bye. Thank you. This concludes this episode of Accelerate. All the information links will be down in the show notes. If you have not done so already, hit that subscribe button on your podcast player of choice on Apple. This will make sure you don't miss any of the amazing content we have lined up and rolling out for you. If you love this episode, it will mean a lot if you would leave a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts. Finally, if you haven't connected with me over on Instagram and you're interested in learning more about similar episodes and all that's happening before they even get announced publicly, let's make sure to connect over there at Accelerate or Nekamubi on Instagram. But with all that said, I appreciate you being here. I look forward to connecting with you over on Instagram. And until I see you in the next episode, endeavor to grow profit and make an impact.